Greetings, my peeps, and welcome to the All Things Basketball Podcast with your boy GD. In this episode, as promised, my Knicks season recap. I'll give you everything from the bench players to the starters. We'll talk about all of them. We'll talk about Coach Thibodeau as well as Leon Rose, what he's doing in the front office. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, guys, so this is your boy GD with the All Things Basketball with GD podcast. And we're going to do, well, we're finally getting around to the next season recap. So without any further delay, let's get right into it. The next season, they finished the regular season 47 and 35. They were third in the Atlantic Division. They were 5th in the Eastern Conference. They were actually 8th overall in the NBA. Very good finish for them. Mind you, the preseason prediction for the Knicks, the over and under was 38 and a half wins. So, needless to say, they surpassed that and then some. They were 3rd in the Eastern Offensive Rating. They were 19th, though, in defensive rating. Their net rating put them in 7th place, so with a plus 3 advantage for those that's into the analytics and all that. So, And then their scoring average for the season was 116 points against 113.1. As far as offensive rebound percentage, they were 2nd in all the NBA thanks to Mitchell Robinson being a big part of that. And their turnover percentage was fifth in the league. So, And then in their postseason, of course, they beat the number four seed, the Cleveland Cavaliers, four games to one. And then in the second round, they lost to the eventual Eastern Conference champ, the Miami Heat, who was the eighth seed. Actually, a seventh seed, but they lost that first play-in game, which knocked them down to being the eight seed. And they lost that four games to two. So right now their salary for the season was at 148.9 million. That was 17th in the league. So they were in the middle of the pack in that regard. As far as the draft goes, they have no draft picks guys in this draft. Their number 10 pick ended up going to Dallas. It, if it had been one pick lower, then it would have went to the Knicks. So 11 and below would have went to the Knicks. So, And then their 23rd pick. Okay, so here's how it breaks down. The Dallas pick was a protected pick. So uh, 1 through 10. I think the same thing applies next year for them as well. So. And then the 23rd pick, which is their, actually their own pick, they used that in a trade to get Josh Hart. So, so that pick went to Portland. And then in the second round, they didn't have a pick there either. Their 53rd pick went to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I talked about the salaries in terms of free agents. Josh Hart has a player option, and he's being paid just a shade on the $13 million. 
Then you got team options on Derrick Rose at 15.5 million and then Miles McBride at 1.8 million. So they have a mid-level exemption at 12.2 million so they can add a player that way and then they have a biannual exception at 4.4 million so that's where it is guys okay so that's your breakdown in that regard what i'm going to end up doing evaluate each player we'll start off with the bench and then we'll go to the starters and then we'll talk about the coaching and then the front office so we'll do it that way so the bench let's start off with the bench Isaiah Roby is a power forward that they got during the postseason. They signed him. He's power forward. He's insurance just in case of a OB topping trade. I'll talk about that a little later. He had some solid years in OKC for the Thunder before being waived. And then he ended up in San Antonio and then waived again. So I'm not sure what the deal with that is. But nonetheless, he is insurance in case Obi gets dealt. So he signed for next year. I believe it's uh, $2 million. So, And then you have Daquan Jeffries, a shooting guard. He was undrafted and he bounced around a bit. He started playing in 2019. He's bounced around a few teams like Sacramento, Houston, and also Memphis. He's a two-way player that they signed late in the season. He actually played in two playoff games. One game at each of the series. So, I'm not sure what the long-term future for him would be. And then you have Trevor Keels. That's the draft pick that they had in last year's draft in the second round. The shooting guard out of Duke. For the most part, he spent a great deal of time down in the G League. He only appeared in three games and that was very late in the season. You're not really sure what you have in him. so. But nonetheless, we'll see what happens. More likely than not, you'll see him in Summer League. So you'll get a glimpse at what he can do. You would hope with uh, Dice Ashimoto probably running that summer league team like he usually does. So we'll get to see what Trevor Keel has. Now let's talk about a few of the regular guys there. Jericho Sims, the center, the bouncy center out of Texas. He's been in the league a couple of years now. He appeared in 52 games. Started in 16, and that was because of a Mitchell Robinson injury, so he was inserted into the lineup. He's a bouncy big, like I said, who saw a slight improvement last year. He was shut down, though, due to an injured shoulder. A shoulder in which I believe he had surgery on, and he's expected to be ready for training camps. So, now your veterans... Your two veterans, Derrick Rose and Evan Fournier. As far as Derrick Rose goes, of course we know he was the number one overall pick in the 2008 draft. He had a spectacular first five season and then the injuries started hitting him. But nonetheless, he has bounced back. Last season was pretty strange to be honest with you. He appeared in 27 games. He didn't start in any games. He's really on the back nine of his incredible career. He sacrificed 
for the sake of developing the young talent such as Emmanuel Quickly and Miles McBride. But I doubt if the team picks up the option on Derrick Rose, unfortunately. So I'm thinking more likely than not, he'll probably... I would think he would try a latch on somewhere else. The question is, what does he have left in the tank? About two years ago, it looked like he had plenty left in the tank as far as that playoff run that they had back in 2021. You're really not sure what you're going to get from Derrick Rose. But you know one thing, he's a fighter. He's going to give his all. I think if he does play again, I think he latches on with a contender, I would think, just to see what he has. So not really sure what he has, to be honest with you. Evan Fournier, I think it's a whole different story here. Oddly enough, he played in 27 games, and he actually started in seven of the games. What happened, though, around, I want to say around the time that Quentin Grimes eventually came back. I'll talk about Grimes in a minute. Evan went to the bench. He was banished to the bench, basically, and hardly used. And, you know, a lot of people were saying in the playoffs, hey, you needed shooting. You had Evan Fournier. Why not give him a look? And that was the odd thing. He didn't see any playing time in that Miami series. I mean... Maybe you, you could have caught lightning in the bottle. Who knows? But in any event, he has a year left. And then after that, a team option. So he's about at $18 million, So you have to see. You know, it seems like $18 million for a outside shooter. Yeah, find a team that would want to take that gamble. So it's going to be interesting to see as far as 48 goes. But I'm wanting to think, I don't think he's long for this roster. So I think in somehow, some way, the Knicks can maneuver themselves out of that contract. They would. All right. So we talked about the Vets, Rose, and Fournier. Let's talk about the rest of that bench. Miles McBride. Miles McBride, he appeared in 64 games, started in two. Of course, he came in the same year as Jericho Sims. He's another player who improved from the prior season. He has a skill set that is very much needed in the league, and that's the ability to defend and defend the quicker guards. He's got quick hands. The only thing with him is his point guard skills, his you know, his shooting is still a work in progress. So do you send him down to Summer League one more time just for him to get reps and so forth? I don't really know, but I say you have to see. You have to see. I know you still have Quickly there. I know Quickly's probably going to eventually demand some big-time money. So I believe they definitely pick up the team option on McBride. I think that's a definite. But beyond that, I believe Tibbs likes him. I believe he does. It's just, you know, something with point guards it takes them a while to get up to NBA speed sometimes. Quite a few point guards where it took them a while before they took off. Is McBride in that same category? Possibly. But I think they pick up the option and they see next year if there's an improvement there. So I think McBride, is he'll be there on the roster if something crazy doesn't happen as far as trade and all that. Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin. Power forward, of course, eighth pick in that 2020 draft. Played in 67 games. 
started in five. Most of those starts late in the season because of the Julius Randle ankle injury. I'll get more into that. Toppin actually saw a regression in his scoring and in his field goal shooting. And I think that was part and parcel because of him hunting more for his three-point shots. So I think the field goal percentage suffered because of that. And look, the Knicks have a dilemma in terms of Toppin. You took him eighth overall in that draft. He has talent. I think there's no denying that. The problem for Toppin... He's got small forward skills and a power forward's body. That's the problem. Why? Because the power forward for the Knicks is Julius Randle. So I think in a world where you have Tibbs, Randle, and Toppin on one team, I think Toppin will always be the odd man out. And with that said, I think he could be moved in the offseason. It'd be unfortunate, no mistake about that, but I think... Probably for his own sake, he should probably go elsewhere. And look, if he goes elsewhere and blows up, you know, the Knicks only have themselves to blame. I understood the thinking and drafting him, but he didn't realize what you had in Julius Randle. So my thoughts are, I think he unfortunately gets moved in the offseason. Somehow, someway, I, I think that's the case. So I hope I'm wrong, but we'll see. And then we have Josh Hart. Josh Hart, one of the more brilliant trade deadline moves the Knicks have made in quite a while, actually. And it paid off big time for the team. And it's funny because I just said Toppin has small forward skills and a power forward's body. Josh Hart is actually the opposite. He has power forward skills and a small forward's body. Go figure. He fits perfectly in Tibbs' system. Perfectly. He's going to give you a lot of heart. Well, no pun intended. But he's, 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 he's going to play until the final buzzer. That's just the way he rolls. He appeared in 76 games total. He started in 52 of those games. While with the Knicks, he appeared in 25 games and only started once. So basically, actually all of his starts were in Portland. So when he got to the Knicks, he had a bench role and he fit perfectly with that second unit. Of course, we know him and Brunson were Villanova teammates. And their postseason press conferences were hilarious with him eating the chicken wings and the pizza and just their camaraderie. You could tell they know each other so well. But nonetheless, Josh Hart will be a free agent. In my mind right now, I would think the Knicks would re-sign him. Something like you pay him the sort of money you're paying Evan Fournier, $18 million per year. I think that would seal the deal. Although you're going to have other teams out there bidding for him as well. I think at the end of the day, Josh Hart has to ask himself, do I want to continue with what I'm doing here? I've kind of bounced around a little bit. I was in L.A. I went to New Orleans. From there, I went to Portland. So I've kind of bounced around a bit. So maybe being with my former teammate and really solidifying things here, maybe You know, I can plant my flag here. So, I hope he does, to be honest with you. I I like what he brings to this team. So, that's just me being selfish. But, Josh Hart is a guy I would like to see re-signed. And we take it from there. Isaiah Hartenstein. This was such a 
pleasant surprise. You knew what you were getting when you signed him as a free agent. He's going to be a guy coming off your bench who can spot start in a pinch. And he did just that, to be honest. Played in every game last season. He had eight starts, again, because, of course, you had Mitchell Robinson, who was out with an injury, so he had some spot starts. But I think Tibbs eventually decided that maybe it's better that he does come off the bench and then we start Jericho instead. So you had that dynamic. But nonetheless, he was so reliable for the Knicks. And he's a perfect complement to Mitchell Robinson. He can stretch you out. He can, you know, come to the outside, drop some shots. He was blocking shots inside as well. I mean, he was defending the paint pretty well. Hartenstein, you know, you still have him under contract, thankfully, so you see what happens, but he's another guy who fits what the Knicks do, and I'm glad he's on my team, I'm just saying. So that's Hartenstein. Last but not least, Emmanuel Quickly. Again, he could play both guard positions. He appeared in 81 games. He only missed one game. He had 21 starts. Had a breakout season as a six-man-of-the-year candidate. Nonetheless, he was an invaluable piece to the success of the Knicks last season. But all eyes are on him, guys. They want to see, is he going to be extended? Uh, what's going to happen in that regard? Are the Knicks going to extend him? What will his role be next year? A lot of eyes are watching that. So, we'll see what happens there. But, Emmanuel quickly... He was absolutely solid. He can only improve. His game can only improve from here. But he definitely fits what the Dicks do. Tibbs loves him as well. So we'll see what happens there. So that's your bench story, guys. Now we will talk about the starters. Let's start with Quentin Grimes. Quentin Grimes played in 71 games. Started in 66, those first five games, he came off the bench, kind of get himself acclimated, but eventually became the starter. And of course, you know, he too was in that 2021 draft along with Miles McBride and Jericho Sims. Like I said, he started off the year with the foot injury. He came back a couple of weeks into the season. He improved greatly as a starter as the season progressed. I think he needs to be a little more involved in the offense. I think he should get some more looks, that's for sure. He's a dead-eye shooter, guys, but I think the problem for him was getting a steady diet of those shots, and I think it came back to bite him in those playoffs. And I'm one to say that Quentin Grimes should be in the gym this summer, hoisting up about 100 threes a day just to get a rhythm going, and because... That was the Knicks Achilles heel, to be honest, outside shooting. So you got a kid like this who can, when he can stroke it, he can stroke it, guys. So he is one who I think definitely needs the reps, that's for sure. I think somehow, some way, Tibbs is going to have to get creative and get this kid touches because I think he's one of those guys, if he gets steady touches, he'll give you steady production. And you know what he could do on the defensive end? 
the steal that he had against Miami in the playoffs where Bam out of Bayou knocked knees with him. So that hindered him there, but that didn't stop him from stripping Jimmy Butler on that one possession there. But that's the kind of guy he is. He's going to tough it out and he's going to he's gonna defend. So Quentin Grimes, I think he's a guy who can really see some improvement as long as Tibbs is creative and can get him in the flow of things, that's for sure. So, Mitchell Robinson, another injury plague season for him. Much more worse than the prior season. He appeared in 59 games, started in 58. He was out for the four weeks with that injured thumb. He's still vital to the team's success. He is one of the league's best Arguably the best offensive rebounder in the game right now. What he did in that Cleveland series was absolutely amazing. At a point in this season, he questioned his involvement in the offense. On Snapchat, he went to Snapchat. He later apologized. He just was frustrated with things. And, you know, it's understandable. He apologized about it, so I'm good with it. He's another guy who I say... I think early on you got to give him lobs. You got to give him some putbacks. And once you do that, I think he's engaged the whole game. You have to involve. He's a guy I think you involve him early. You got him for the whole game. I think he's a guy who you got to involve him early, man. Again, with some lobs where he gets the rebound and put it back in, so forth. But you got to do something to keep him engaged. That's my thoughts. So. But Mitchell Robinson, valuable for what he brings to the Knicks. Then there's R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett, I tell you what, guys. Looking at that draft, I think outside of probably a Darius Garland, if you're a management, you can lay your head down at night knowing that R.J. Barrett's going to do the right thing. He's not going to get himself into trouble. He's not going to be running around with porn stars. He's not going to be waving guns in IG videos. The kid is well-grounded, so let me say that. He saw a slight boost in his field goal percentage, but he regressed from three. He was, he was awful from three, guys. That's something I think he should work on in the summer. I think he too can stand to hoist up about 100 threes a day as well to get that three-point stroke back that he had before. He started off slow in the postseason, but when his play improved, so did the team's success in the playoffs, as you saw in the Cleveland series. And then he had his moments in the Miami series, really struggled in that last game, that game six. But R.J. Barrett is, he's still your guy. Is there room for improvement? Absolutely, I, I think so. He's still young. I know some in the fan base are frustrated with him. But again, he's one who's pretty much reliable. You know you're going to get about 70, at least 75 games per season from him if injuries doesn't play into it. But he's a guy. He was close to his 20-point average from last season. I think he can approach their next season as well his game is on the uprise let's let's just say that so rj barry everyone likes him he's well liked by his teammates the front office 
again, they can rest assured he's going to go out and do the right thing. So that's all you can want from your young players. You can have worries like other teams about their young guys, but not with this guy here. So now we come around to Julius Randle. He paired in 77 games, started 77, obviously. He missed those last five games when he tweaked his ankle. All in all, he had a bounce back season, especially from his production the prior season. He was back to being an all-star, back to being all-NBA. This time he was third team, so... Of course, the attitude still needs adjusting. He still can have pouty moments. He still can have moments when he goes off the rails a little bit. Again, he had another postseason underperformance, if you will. And that cannot happen. Hey, listen, I mentioned it. Probably most won't mention it, but he had the late season ankle injury that he fought through. He ended up playing, so he went out there and played, regardless of injury or otherwise. So, yeah, I was just talking to my good friend from many years ago, D. We were talking, and we talked about the injury. It was like, you know something? If he would have said, you know what? I can't go. You guys go and do what you got to do in the playoffs. He would have been killed by the fan base in the media. The fact that he went out there and toughed it out. He's still getting killed by the media fan base. So it's like, damn if you do, damn if you don't. But listen, the guy is a gamer, going to do what's best for the team. At least he's going to give it a go. That's all you can want in a guy. Actually, he had the ankle surgery in the offseason here, so he should be ready for the start of the season. Listen, I understand. I get it. The fact that he didn't perform up to snuff in the postseason. I get that. Do we attribute it to just him being off like he was two seasons ago? Or it was the ankle issue hindering him as well? I think as long as Tibbs has breath in his body, he's going to always go towards leaning on Randall. That's just the way it's going to be, guys. But I think the larger question is... Having Brunson, who I'm going to talk about in a minute, and Randall being those guys as far as your A and B guys. So I think one day Brunson will be A, Randall will be B. Some days Randall will be A, Brunson will be B. So I think that's where it has to be depending on, you know, who's flowing, who's got it going, that sort of thing. So do I think Randall could be a vital part of a successful playoff team. I would like to think so, especially what I'm seeing in these playoffs here. The one thing you see in these playoffs, your star players have to show up. They have to show up in order for your team to be successful. And I would give it one more go to see if he fails again in the playoffs. I think a lot of people are going to have raised eyebrows, so... You know, you give him a pass because of the ankle issues, but at the end of the day, it comes to playoffs, you got to show up in order for your team to be successful. So, I think this season here is where the rubber meets the road. I think as currently constructed, they can go back into the playoffs, especially with your younger players a year older, and you would think their game growing as well. So, I would like to think they're back in the playoffs. 
but it depends on who you matched up with. It depends on a lot of things, but you have to show up. That's the bottom line. So I think Randall's, you know, people are making overtures, you know, ship them out. Siakam's the name I hear. Porzingis is a name I hear. Siakam, yeah, I get that. I think it's sort of a lateral move, although I think Siakam, at the end of the day, can give you a bit more than what Randall does. That's my honest opinion. Porzingis is another story. I'm not even too sure about that. Would the Knicks fans want to get back in that relationship? Who knows? At the end of the day, Randall has to show up when the lights are the brightest, and that's in the postseason, so we'll see. And then lastly, Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson, you know, guys, I've been singing his praises all season long. Appeared in 68 games. He had his share of injuries himself. You know, minor ones, nothing to be alarmed about. Starting in all his games, so thanks to him, the season was a rousing success. They couldn't have had the success they had without Jalen Brunson, so. Future All-Star, I think he is. I think he's a future All-Star, that's for sure. He's a leader. He leads by example. He goes out there. He busts his tail while he's out there. He carried the team in the regular season. Oh my goodness, did he carry them in the postseason. Nearly got them to a seventh game against the Heat, but if other guys showed up, then we'd be having a different conversation, but no one can accuse Brunson of not showing up in the playoffs. He was there, and then some. I think he can only get better as the players around him get better. So, you saw what he did last season with 24 points per game and a six assists. I think he can have more assists. I thought he should have had more assists per game, to be honest. But guys weren't knocking down shots. So, I think he can only get better. And, again, the kid is as tough as nails. He's he's a player who was born to play here. He understands the magnitude of playing in New York. He's not afraid of the hot lights. I, I just love everything about this kid. And I'm glad he's a Nick. So. Alright, guys. So, that is going to do it for the starters. Let's talk about the coaching in the front office, then we're through. Tom Thibodeau, this is his third season in New York. So far, he has a 163 wins against 125 losses. And that puts him at 53%. He went against the grain last year, guys. Leaning on the young players like, like a Quick Lee, like a McBride, like a Quentin Grimes. He did that, leaving the veterans like Rose and Fournier to kind of be the mentors, if you will. He still has a deference, too strong a deference to Randall. I've highlighted that. Still a bit stubborn in some instances as well. So, But apart from that, you know, you got to give Tibbs credit. Two playoff appearances in three years. You'll definitely take that. Seemed like they... Progressed more this year, getting to the second round from a five seed. So things can only get better, provided you're able to add the pieces that you need and so forth. So, you know, people will rail against Thibodeau. I'm not one of those. I'm willing to be kind of patient and see what's what. I think Tips can get them over the hump. And then your front office. In the front office, you have 
Leon Rose. Leon Rose, I tell you what, guys, he caught a lot of flack, guys. A lot of flack for the Brunson contract, four years and $106 million. Now it looks like a heist, that sort of money that he put out there for Brunson. So uh, it was questioned by other teams. It was questioned by the media and the fan base even was questioning it. But it looks like money's well spent, guys, that's for sure. And the low-key move that he made, Hartenstein. Hartenstein was a low-key move that paid off dividends. And then, of course, the trade of Cam Reddish and others for Josh Hart. Remember, there was a certain segment of the fan base that were part of the Cam Hive, if you will, that were saying that, oh, Tibbs needs to play Cam more, this and that. But at the end of the day, you don't even hear that conversation anymore with Josh Hart in town. So, And then that trade, of course, propelled them towards their playoff run. So... I think the big challenge for him is what to do with Fournier. I think Rose is pretty much a no-brainer as far as not picking up his option and how to improve the team from here. So that is the big questions that Leon Rose will have to answer. He's answered the bell, guys. He's got this team with plenty of draft capital. He's got this team with a manageable cap. You still have some young players there. You know, a lot of people still... Oh, they need to deal for a star, so forth. <sighs> he has them going in the right direction. Let me just leave it at that. So, things can go only go up from here, guys. So, their needs right now, again, outside shooting, especially three-point shooting. You've seen in the playoffs. The reason Miami went on their run is because they had knocked down three-point shooters. They also need a front court guy who can defend probably both positions, whether it be small forward or power forward. There's some big names that's out there, guys, that they've been trying to attach to the Knicks being interested in. Dame Lillard say he wouldn't mind going to Miami if they were to lose in these finals. I'll talk about the finals probably next episode. He's expressed every place but New York, and rightfully so, because you have Jalen Brunson here to bring in a Lillard and play him with a Brunson. It'd be some backcourt, but, you know, the ball handling would be the issue. Who will play off the ball? Who will play on it? Those sort of things. Dame Lillard isn't the greatest defender, so you definitely need a strong defender playing next to a Brunson that's for sure so Dame Lillard on its face doesn't make sense right now for the Knicks Joel Embiid I don't think he goes anywhere especially with the signing of Nick Nurse again Embiid was involved in that process he got to sit down with Nick Nurse before he got hired so it seems they're both on the same page so I don't think overtures for Embiid getting traded Mind you, he's the league MVP, by the way. So I don't think that's a realistic option there. Carl Anthony Towns, I continue to hear people talk about it. Now you got guys like Kyle and Cowherd talking about they should get Towns. I'm sorry, but first of all, what do you give up to get him? Then look at his contract. Then look at the fact that he's not the greatest defender either. And look at the fact that he's a seven-footer shooting threes. You already got a guy in Randall doing that. So where does Towns fit into that? So I'm not one on the Carl Anthony Towns train. And oh, by the way, again, I bring up this. Thibodeau coached him when he was in Minnesota. 
didn't turn out so well, guys. Again, I find it hard to believe that the Knicks are hot and heavy over Carl Anthony Towns. So I would rule it out. And then here's the latest one, Chris Paul. <laughs> now they're attaching Chris Paul, talk about teams that he could go to and, and mention the Knicks. That is not happening, guys. Yeah, I think the media is funny because I wrote this under a post that everybody wants to include Knicks when it's a star that's supposedly on the way out. Regardless of fit, they're going to the Knicks. Chris Paul doesn't fit what the Knicks are trying to do. So uh, he's a point guard, long in the tooth. I think it makes more sense for him to be in a L.A. market. I'll talk about that when I do my finals breakdown because I'm going to have other news. So anyhow, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. But those are the big names. I think some names to watch. One guy, he's still in the playoffs now, Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown is a guy who can defend who can get his offense too, judging from these playoffs. So Bruce Brown is a name I would put under my hat as a guy who could. He's an unrestricted free agent, so does he go back to Denver in that culture? Maybe he does, but he's a name I would keep an eye out for. Kelly Oubre Jr., Charlotte Hornets. He was attached to the Knicks maybe a couple of seasons ago as a guy that they were looking at. He's going to be a free agent now, so... Perhaps can get him on the cheap, but he's a guy who can defend. He's a bit of a streaky shooter, though, but he's a name to consider. Josh Richardson is a guy who can play multiple positions. He could defend as well. Last season, he was with the Pelicans and was a pretty big part of what they did as far as at least getting to a play-in game. So, in fact, he ended up starting with... C.J. McCollum over there, so he's a guy who's a, also a free agent. Other guys you can think about, Gorgie's Niang for the Philadelphia 76ers. He's going to be a free agent. He's a guy who can kind of like a 3 and D guy. He can defend and he can hit the three as well. You can roll the dice on a Joe Ingles out of Milwaukee. Didn't have the greatest run over there with them, but... If his knee is good, maybe you take a chance on him. And another name I'll mention, Tory Craig of the Phoenix Suns. Maybe worse comes to worse, you look his direction. So we'll see. In any event, that's it, guys. That's it for me. So next time you hear from me will be the NBA Finals. I'll be recapping that. I have some other news that I want to mention. I was going to do it on this one, but I said... Me talk about the Knicks going to take a long time, I know. And look at this. Look at the time now. So, anyhow. All right. So, that's it for me. Thank you guys for listening as always. The website, allthingsbasketballwithgd.com. Of course, YouTube, all the platforms, social media, the whole bit. All right, guys. So, thanks for listening. And we'll talk soon. Take care. So, my peeps. If you like what you're listening to, you can go to my website, www.allthingsbasketballwithgd.com. You can also email me at thatsportsdugd at gmail.com. To support this podcast, you can go to my PayPal, and that email is thatsportsdugd at gmail.com. 
also on my anchor page I have a support button there that you can also use to help the podcast I'm on all the major platforms like anchor Spreaker, Google Podcasts, Amazon, SoundCloud, YouTube, CastBox, Radio Public, Podchaser, just to name a few. And also, you can find me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Clubhouse, and Fanbase. So, once again, I thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. And take care and be safe.